Once again, welcome to Harvest. My name is Pastor Micah. So glad you're here with us today. Uh, Today's a very special day in the life of our church. As we've already mentioned earlier, today is um, our our Elder Installation Sunday. And so, um, yeah, it's great. Praise the Lord for that. And so just by way of introduction here, um, you know, this whole kind of thing started, um, kind of started then, probably started before then, but uh, in January of 2015, uh, Courtney and I and our girls moved back to St. Louis uh, with what we felt was a call from the Lord to plant a church here in South County. And um, at that time, it was just the two of us. And we started sharing that vision with others and trying to pull together a core group of people that had that same heart and that same vision to see a church planted uh, that would glorify the Lord and make disciples and take the gospel forth in this part of St. Louis. And so, slowly but surely, God started working and moving in that way. And and uh, But along that journey, it was kind of this interesting thing because as we came here to plant, um, there was kind of some things in flux in uh, the fellowship that we were a part of. And we didn't really have a, a coach. We didn't have a church to come alongside us and help us and, and, and kind of guide us through this process. And so over the course of a couple of months there at the beginning of 2015, God was gracious enough uh, to bring us into contact through the fellowship with Harvest uh, Bible Chapel in Peoria. And um, we were close to them in proximity, and they are a, a very strong, vibrant uh, harvest church in our group. And so they said, yeah, we would be happy to come alongside them and help coach and lead uh, this new church plant. And so by God's providence, he brought us in uh, connection with this church. And we've just been completely blessed. I have been uh, just completely blessed by them and by their staff, by Pastor Tim Harkness there, and uh, by their elders who've been so supportive of us. And then Steve McGinnis, who's going to come and preach for us in just a moment, uh, has actually been my uh, main contact there. He's been my coach over the last couple of years as we've been planting this church. And we've been talking every week or every other week and just praying together and asking the Lord for things and, and believing that he was going to work even when it looked like maybe he wasn't and uh, just stepping in faith together in this thing. And so, so thankful for them and their partnership and all of this. We wouldn't be to this point if it wasn't for them and their help and their partnership. So we just give them a hand this morning and recognize that before the Lord and praise him for that. And, um, but the whole point of all that and the point of Tim and Steve serving as our elders as we got started was to build up to this day where they get to hand off to our church and to men that God has raised up in our body to be able to go forth and do this as an independent, autonomous church here in St. Louis and continue to make disciples the same way that they are there in Peoria. So we're so excited for today. But before we get into all that, we do want to hear from the Word of God, right? That's what we come to church for. Is that what we come to church for today? Amen. And so I'm going to have Steve McGinnis come on up. This is Pastor Steve McGinnis from Harvest Peoria. He's going to bring us God's Word today. Make him feel welcome. Well, good morning. It is great to be here. It's great to see all of you here. Um, it's come a long ways since a small little core team meeting in the church here on, on a Sunday night. And uh, it is exciting to see what God is doing. And uh, we are Harvest Bible Chapel. So as Pastor Micah said, we like to open up God's Word and look into the Bible. And just about any time we meet, we do. And uh, we're going to do that here this morning. Uh, We kind of uh, uh, started off, uh, kind of titled things here, Living in a Growing Family. I thought very appropriate as we're seeing the growth and development here at uh, 
uh, Harvest Bible Chapel, St. Louis South, and seeing what God's doing, installing elders, and kind of for us, just kind of letting go here a little bit. Uh, I thought a uh, great passage we'd look at is uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And, uh, you know, you talk about a growing family. I, I sent uh, Mike, uh, Pastor Mike, a couple of pictures uh, of my family. I'll introduce uh, them as well. And I apologize. My wife is uh, not here. She's in Peoria. We actually, I'm the missions and family pastor at Harvest Peoria. And uh, we uh, work a lot. We've actually got uh, Pastor uh, um, Abraham Comper, who's a senior pastor in Harvest Jockmel, Haiti, who's staying at our house right now. And his son, Luke, who's in college, is actually moving in with us this weekend and is going to be uh, going to school there in Peoria for this year. And so we've kind of taken him under our wing a little bit. So my wife, Tiffany, was taking them to Peoria where they're speaking. And uh, I was coming down here, so uh, I have with me here Steve Hutton, who was actually one of our original elders uh, at Harvest Peoria and went through this initial installation, much like we're doing today uh, in Peoria 12 years ago, and has continued to serve on the elder board and, uh, as well. But, uh, but this is the McGinnis family here, and uh, we are starting to feel some of those growing pains. Uh, two daughters there, the two older ones, uh, Abigail and uh, uh, Miranda, Miranda's oldest, Abigail, uh, they are married and their husbands, okay, now look at this picture and say, which two don't belong? <laughs> Somewhere along the line, you, you come on, you ever heard that, you, you know, daughters, they marry someone like their father? Clearly, that's not true. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the two tall guys in the back are the two sons-in-laws there. And then my son is on the uh, far left, and, uh, and that is his fiance, and he's actually getting married here in November. So uh, they, he's been in the military, and he's been back at home living with us here recently, and, and he's moving out here into the month, an apartment that they're eventually going to live in when they get married here in a couple of months. And so my wife and I are going to be empty nesters, just my wife and myself and our adopted Haitian child that... Uh, is still with us, but uh, we're excited. It, it is, though, interesting as the family grows and, and change is inevitable. Amen? And, and let me tell you, if you start fighting it, you're in trouble because um, the Christian life is all about change. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 is interesting. Even it ends with, and we're not really going to look at these verses, but if you look at verse 23... It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And, and that completely sanctified is all about change. It's the sanctification that takes place where we become more and more like Christ. In Harvest World, we would call that our walk with Christ. And when you, when you become a believer, it's just the beginning of the discipleship that takes place and continuing to change and grow. And God continues to change and grow the church as well. And so we talk about a growing family. Really, we're talking about the family. What is God doing in the church and what are some things that we can see in this passage that apply to all of us here that we can be uh, implementing today and this week and especially this coming ministry year. And so if you got your Bibles, turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to start in verse 12. And uh, you see in your notes there, if you're taking notes, uh, uh, love that. We uh, also take a lot of notes in Peoria, so 
I'll refer to that. I'll give you some things to write down with that. But point number one is to honor God. I'm sorry, worship God by honoring leadership. Worship God by honoring leadership. All through there, we're going to see in this passage different ways as a family, as a church, that we can be worshiping God. And here in verses 12 and 13, we see by honoring leadership. And we start off, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And so Paul here is finishing up this letter to the church in Thessalonica, and he's really kind of closing things down, and we're going to see just a few different topics that are addressed, all of the really things I think with, with growth as well. And, and here he says, uh, we ask you, brothers, so he's talking to the believers there at this church here in Thessalonica, to respect those who labor among you. To respect, to honor, esteem, appreciate, acknowledge what it was that was going on, the leadership that they were providing there. He says, to respect those who labor among you. The word labor there really gives the idea of, uh, of working to the point of exhaustion. Paul, earlier in this letter, had kind of given his resume a little bit in chapter 2 of, of how hard he had worked and, and, and like a nursing mother and a father caring for, for and, and, la and labored and worked to the point of, of exhaustion in, in his ministry in life. And he's really saying, he's, he's saying, folks, to, to those that God has placed in, in authority and position to shepherd the flock here, to, to be respectful and honoring of them. Uh, that labor among you. Um, and he says, uh, and are over you in the Lord. And are over you in the Lord. Uh, the ones that literally the idea there in the original language, it's, it's to stand before you. The ones who, who First Peter shows us, that carry the responsibility of care and shepherding for the flock. Um, we all have authorities that we answer to. Amen? Let me try that again. We all have authorities that we answer to. Amen? These are God-ordained authorities, and that's a, how God works here. He puts the umbrella of authority and protection in place, whether it's uh, uh, Romans 13 where the government's authorities, government was an, instituted for the protection of the people. Whether, whether it's believers or unbelievers or that, but yet God uses those authorities. And within the church, it's the eldership. Within the family, it's the, it's the role of the, the father in there. And if you go to work, at work, it's, it's, the, it's the employer. It's on and on and on. We, we all have authorities here. And, and really what Paul is, is really stressing is those that, that are over you and that stand before you that are given the charge and the responsibility for the shepherding for you. Respect those. Those who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. The word admonish, it means to, to train, to teach, to, to counsel, and sometimes to correct. Those who admonish you in the Lord. And, and then he says, to esteem them very highly in love because of their work to esteem them highly, to think about them, to regard them well because of the job and the responsibilities that, that they have. 
And then it's interesting verse, uh, at the end of verse 13, he says, be at peace among yourselves. So really saying, hey, esteem them well, honor them and what's doing, respect them uh, that they are over you and be at peace with them. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say be at peace with them, although that's kind of implied in the previous phrases, but he says be at peace with yourselves, with each other. Kind of gives you an interesting insight into one of the things that will help those in leadership over you is if you guys are working hard to get along. Amen? Be at peace among yourselves and Really, I think one of the greatest helps that you can be to those in leadership is harmony and unity within the body of Christ. That's big. So worship God by honoring leadership. So what does that look like? And I'd like to give you here, here's five ways to honor leadership in the church. Five ways to honor leadership in the church. Number one, accept them. Accept them. Know who they are, accept who they are, and that God has placed them in the position where God has placed them. Listen, with all of their strengths and even their weaknesses. That's not an excuse for, for, for leadership addressing weaknesses in their life. It's not at all, but we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. And so a part of honoring leadership is, is to accept them and realize that they're a work in progress just like we're a work in progress. Amen? Yeah. Growth and change. So accept them. Number two, appreciate. Be thankful for the work that they do. One of the things I, I, I love it here is I, I asked Pastor Micah the first thing this morning was, so how did the Harveys go? I love the idea. I love last year when he first started instituting. I thought, man, that is perfect. And what a great way to occasionally just take a step back and say, okay, we've been working hard this last year. Everybody's been, been doing so much, and let's just have some fun. Let's say thank you, and, and, and let's, let's have some laughs, and, and let's really kind of recharge and get ready to go for the next ministry year, and, and that's important. That's important for you and all of that you've been doing and serving, and that's important also that we can do that with those who are in leadership as well. And so accept them, appreciate them. Number three is to love. Being loving. Be, be loving uh, to them. Be, be loving with each other and being loving and reaching out and caring for them. Sometimes it takes even a little bit of insight here as well because uh, a lot of times uh, in leadership we're, we're kind of we're slow to ask for help. And kind of feel like, I feel, feel sometimes like I, I've got the, the job to be caring for them. It's not that, that I need to be cared for as well. And, and yet, the truth is, there are times that we all need care and concern and, and for those to come alongside and help. Accept them, appreciate them, love. Number four, submit. Uh, obey. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they, they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. There's a, there's a burden, a responsibility that goes with that. And, and so being, being willing to submit to leadership. 
and always, and you see that phrase, as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. It's not that I'm being submissive to the person. It's, Lord, I'm going to honor and obey you. And so if you place authorities in my life, then I'm going to, to honor and respect that and, and be willing to submit with that. And then number five, we mentioned earlier, is to seek peace with each other. Strive for unity in the body. And so let me ask you this here. So, so how well do you know your pastors? How well do you know these men that are stepping into eldership today? Are, are, are you seeking peace with, it, with each other? Or is there just uh, at times the, the, the cold war that's, that, that may be going on between individuals and If so, it's time to, to start working to reconcile, to deal with that. Number two, worship God by building others up. Verse 14 and 15 here, and I actually, this is, I, I call these the counseling verses here. You, you want a good, quick tutorial on a, a 101 of biblical counseling. Here you go. It says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Okay, so we urge you, brothers. So Paul's getting to the end there, and he's kind of turning up the heat now. You're seeing a little bit of emphasis as he's saying, like, he's just, I'm not just suggesting this, Paul says. I'm now moving to urging you. Come on now, everybody. I urge you, brothers. Okay, talking to believers here, to admonish the idol. Literally, as, as you look at these words and in the Greek, the idea there is to, to warn the, the idol. The, the word admonish, it's, it, it looks like this. When we come alongside and we say, look, stop. If you continue on this course of action, this is what God says are, are going to be the consequences of it, and you don't want it. That's what the warning is. It's not the looking down in your glasses with the finger pointing down in condemnation. That's not at all what it is. But it's saying, look, stop what you're doing. You're hurting yourself. And you're going to hurt yourself even more if you continue on this course. This is what God says about that. And that's the admonishing here. It admonish, it says the idol. And I'll tell you, this is one of those that... Uh, our English translation, some of the ESV here uses the word idol, and it's really not kind of confusing a little bit because what's it talking about when it, idol? Are we talking about lazy or what are, what are we saying here? And, and really that's not what it's talking about. Everybody say not. Not, not necessarily talking about lazy, although that's its own issue as well. But the idol here, uh, the word, it, it, it really means this. It, it means not in battle order. Literally we could say, when they're out of line. And it's a military term, and when they would line up and they would be marching in and they're all in line, the idle person was the one who was not in line. And, and so what it's saying is when you've got someone who's not in line, that, that's, we, we would say maybe a little unruly or at times disobedient, he's saying warn the disobedient. And that's really what, what this phrase is talking about. 
So you warn the disobedient. Told you this is great counseling verses here. So when the person is disobedient, it's a warning. Look, this is what God's word says, and this is what God's word says if you continue on this course action and disobedience, that the outcome will be, and you don't want it. It says, warn the, the unruly, then we see encourage the faint-hearted. Encourage the faint-hearted. So, so comfort and cheer up. The, the, the faint-hearted would be the discouraged, the, the person lacking courage. When I think of faint-hearted, I think of the, the ring of the hands, the, the, the warrior, the, the, oh my goodness, what, what's it going to happen? What, what's it going to be? And it, 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 the faint-hearted. Warn the unruly, but encourage the faint-hearted. Sometimes when I teach in counseling things, a few years back I was heading up biblical counseling and ministry, and it was kind of the, the stop sign there, warn the unruly, and then come alongside and encourage the faint-hearted. And then he takes it one step further, and he says, and help the weak. And so help support the weak. The, the person that's weak is the person without strength. It's the person that's unable to, to, to support. Many times the, the, the weak person may, it may be actually the point where they can't seem to do it themselves. And then a lot of times it, it, we see the weak person is, and maybe it's a new believer or someone who, who isn't really uh, attuned and very immature, spiritually speaking, and they're just plain clueless. And you sit down and they've got a problem working through a family issue, they're working through a personal issue and start talking through and say, okay, well, what does God's word say about that? And they look at you with the deer in headlights and say, I have no idea. I have no idea what, 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 what's going on with that or what God says about that. And so it's to warn the unruly, it's to encourage the faint-hearted and the weak person. You kind of put your arms up underneath and you're actually helping them, supporting the weak. And then he says, be patient with everyone. Be patient with them all. To have patience, long-suffering, to, to, to display internal and external control. It's understanding that we're all at different points in our journey, in our spiritual journey, and that we're all works in progress. I'm going to be honest with you. Warning the unruly sort of got that one okay encouraging the faint-hearted over the years God's worked on me I've grown in that supporting the weak is is one of that being patient with them all is one that at times is taxing it's hard isn't it yeah and Paul's saying look it's there's something about realizing that just as soon as you're quick to judge oh my goodness you would think they would get it by now Remember, that's God saying that about you and me a whole lot of the time. How many times do I just start pounding my ass? I can't believe I did that again. I can't believe I said that again. I can't believe. And God's just saying, we're working on it. <laughs> Be patient with them all. Then he continues, he says, uh, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. See that uh, no one repays evil for evil. Not, not, to, not to be vindictive, retaliatory, but to be forgiving, to 
to be restoring in our relationships with each other. All that we do within our biblical counseling and that, it's all about restoration. Why? Because the Christian life, our walk with Christ, is all about restoration. Amen? It's what God has done with us. Isn't it wonderful that God doesn't say, okay, first, you need to clean yourself up and then come to me and then I'll save you. That's not at all. He says, hey, come to me. I'm going to save you. And then we're going to sit down and start working through and cleaning up all the stuff. And forgiveness is at the heart of, of restoration in that. And so we see there the... Warn the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, support the weak, be patient with all. There, well, implicit in that is a level of discernment, though. And so, so many times as we're interacting with each other, it's, it, it's trying to understand, is this person unruly or, or disobedient? Is this person the faint-hearted? Is this a fear, a, a lack of confidence? Is this a lack of understanding or... Maybe just the, so overwhelmed by the surroundings and the difficulties that are going that, that they just can't do that on the, the weak person. Because, because if you come alongside and you warn the faint-hearted, what's going to happen? The person who's already faint-hearted, and you come along and say, this is wrong, I'll stop it right now, it's just going to crush them. You literally at times... Unfortunately, I've seen this because I've done this at times. You see them wither right in front of you. And so you, you don't want to warn the unruly. But let me tell you what, if you come alongside and encourage the disobedient, many times that's actually what they want, is, is, is they want someone to just come in and try to give them some encouragement so that they can feel good about themselves as they continue doing exactly what they want. And if you do either of those two to the weak person, you'll totally devastate them. Totally devastate them. And so, so much of it is, is understanding the discernment, being patient with all as we're starting to work through and saying, is this person disobedient? Is this person faint-hearted? Is this person weak? And what you find is we are all, all of those at any given time. And even within specific situations. Some of it's a little bit of out of line. Some of it is faint-hearted and so on. And so here, here he gives the recipe for that. So how do we come alongside and build each other up? Well, let me ask you this. Are you in a small group? It's a great place to do that. Part of why we are so committed to our small group ministries is is because that's a place where we can come alongside and we can be doing life together. Coming alongside and, and, and encouraging and edifying and, and sharpening one another and encourage if you're not in a small group to, to get into a small group. Um, are you willing to come alongside the people that are around you that where God has placed you? Number three, worship God by shaping your attitude. Worship God by shaping your attitude. Now we get some, some quick little verses here. Here you go. If you're, if you're looking to memorize some verses this week, verses 16 to 18 are great ones to memorize. Rejoice always. Everybody say that with me. Rejoice always. There you go. You just memorized a verse. Nice job. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
So rejoice always. Literally saying, be joyful or glad or delighted always. The, the joy, it flows out of what the Christian knows about his or her God and about his eternal life, the saving relationship that God has. No matter what we're going through, we can have joy. We may not always be happy because the happy, happiness so many times is, is dependent on the circumstances that are around us. But in the midst, even of difficult circumstances, there can still, and really for the Christian, we should see that evidence of joy in our life, even in the struggle. And why? It's because of who God is and what God has done in our life. And it's because of where we're going because of that saving God. And so the joy and, and, and that, and then pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And, and I, I, sometimes you think of this, and, and you can almost see sometimes as I say pray without ceasing, uh, you kind of get the little bit of a questioning and then maybe even an eye roll of like, who can do that? I mean, we gotta, I got to go to work. We got family issues. We got ball games. We got the, how pray without... If, one giant 24-7 prayer meeting? Is that what Paul's talking about here? It just seems a little unrealistic, huh? Can I say that in church? Is that right? It is a little, I think. When he talks about prayer, uh, praying without ceasing, I, I think of it this way. It's as I'm going through life, as I'm going through my day, and it's a, it's a continual conversation with God. It's, it's saying, it's, 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 as if, uh, if, it's as if Pastor Micah came down to Peoria and said, hey, it's Tuesday, we got staff, we got all kinds of stuff going on there, and I'm just going to hang with you and just kind of shatter you for the day. And as I'm going through all of my meetings and all the things we got going on, and I'm kind of carrying on a conversation throughout the day of, hey, this is what's going on. This is, I don't know, I got a meeting coming up here, and you're going to see it's going to be kind of tough. I'm kind of concerned about, don't know about this, or, man, that went really well, I can't believe that. And it's that continual conversation with the person that is with me. Guess what? That's Jesus Christ. For the believer, he is right there with us. And so praying without ceasing, is, it's that continual conversation throughout the day. I, I encourage you, homework here assignment is pick a day and be intentional. Do something. Sometimes I've, I've actually... Uh, uh, put, put like a rubber band around my wrist one time. I've done a number of different things just to remind me. Sometimes I set my alarm to go off like every 15 minutes on my phone to vibrate and just remember, hey, just say something to God now. Just say something to God now. Continual conversation throughout the day. Pray without ceasing. And then he says, give thanks in every circumstance. Give thanks in all circumstances. Giving thanks, expressing gratitude, acknowledging that God is in control, that God is working in all circumstances. How many circumstances? In the good circumstances? In the bad circumstances? They might not derive from God, but God is still at work and working in the midst of it. And that in all circumstances... I can still find something to give thanks for. What, why do we struggle in giving thanks to God? Well, here's five stumbling blocks to thankfulness. Number one is my expectations. I find that when I struggle to give 
be thankful in, in all circumstances, it's because I have set expectations and God doesn't seem to meet those expectations. Or people don't seem to meet the... It, it's always, it's a frustration is always a result of expectation. I wanted something, I didn't get in the frustration. And frustration and thankfulness rarely go together. And so my expectations are a stumbling block. Number two is pain. So it's easy to be thankful, but boy, when, when, when you introduce a little bit of pain, whether physically, whether emotionally, whether what, uh, relationally, whatever that is, all of a sudden that, that hurt. Now, and what happens when, 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 you, when you stub your, your thumb, where does all of your attention go to? The throbbing thumb. The pain that takes place. And so many times when there's pain and things going on in your life and it seems to consume us and yet we lose sight of all that we can still be thankful in the midst of it. Number three is, is a distorted perspective. A lot of times, many times, with that pain becomes a distorted uh, perspective where we start to see things and it gets very dark and we start to skew the circumstances and all we can see is the problems and not to be able to see all of the blessings and the things that we can be thankful for in the midst of that. And our perspective distorts. And number four is uh, focusing on circumstances only. We also start to get very horizontal, I find myself, and I lose that vertical focus. And, I, and I'm just seeing the circumstances, and I'll tell you what, many times, horizontally, you take God out of the equation, you start looking at the circumstances, and it looks pretty bleak. The good news is, is God is never out of the equation. And that God works in and through that and that God has before, and God will continue to, and, and, and on into eternity. And so focusing on the circumstances only, and the number five sometimes is just plain selfishness. It's just my selfishness. I want what I want, and I'm not getting what I want, and I'm getting very unthankful for what God has provided in that. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing in, in all things, give thanks in all circumstances. It says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So you want to know what God's will for your life is this week? It's those three things. I can guarantee it. I don't know if you should buy a house. I don't know what car you should get or any of those other decisions that many times we seek to find God's will in our life. But I can tell you definitively, having joy in your life Praying without ceasing and thankfulness is God's will for your life this week. So how are you doing with that? How's your joy, your prayer life, thankfulness? Before you answer too quickly, what if we asked your family and the people around you? What would they say? How's that looking? Number four here. Worship God by discerning his word. Worship God by discerning his word. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain to every form of evil. Do not quench the spirit. The, the quenching of the spirit, literally, it's the, it's the putting out of the fire. It's the, at the end of a, of a cookout and you've got a campfire there and you, and you douse it with water and kind of spread the coals all around and you get that and the, the bill is up and it's the dousing of those flames. And so many times the Spirit of God 
who indwells the believer at the point of justification, the point of salvation. We are indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. And he is at work and wants to do work, and yet so many times we're just pouring water on what he's trying to do in our life. How do we do that? Well, many times it's, it's neglect. It, it's, it, we're not spending time in God's word and, 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 and hearing and, 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 and prayer and talking to God and our worship. We're just, we're just not doing those things that, that keep us in communication with God. Or sometimes it, it, it's, it's, it, uh, we ignore what he's trying to do. We get so distracted by all of the, the busyness of life and the circumstances and we can quench the spirit by doing many, many other things, and many of them may even be good things in and of themselves. But we're filling our time completely with that and ignoring what he's doing. And it could also be just plain old disobedience and just sin. Again, I, I want, I, this, but this is what I want, so I'm just going to, I know God says, I, but I just, and we choose to disobey. All the three of those things will be things that will quench the spirit in your life. So do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Do not despise prophecies. Do not look down on the prophecies here. Is really, it's the public proclamation of God's word. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Saying test everything. It's, it's the idea of, of living life with discernment. It's living life... Having a biblical worldview is, is many times how we'd say it. It's, 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 the, it's the worldview is the lens in which you look through and see life. And you're seeing things through a particular vantage point. And here it should be in, in, in God's word specifically. And so to test everything and see what is going on, what does God's word say about it, what does God tell me to do in response to it. And making all decisions that are based on that. A number of years ago, we had a, a, a Ford Escape. Okay, it was one of the older body styles, the Ford Escape. There's like um, six million of them running around on the roads now. And ended up, we, ours got, I don't know if you guys know, we had a tornado came through the parking lot of our church one Sunday and, and damaged, uh, destroyed about 130 cars. Didn't touch the building or the people. Praise the Lord. Came right in this way, got to the parking lot moved cars everywhere and made a left-hand turn and headed off the other way. God protected in a big way there. But Ford Escape I had there for a lot of years. I had this Ford Escape, black Ford Escape. There's a few of them out on the road. And one day I came out of a store, and you know what you do. You're walking along, and the older I get, the more I sometimes have trouble remembering where I park things. But, <clears throat> but in this time, I, was, I knew exactly the right hour, and I even pulled out the key fob, and right? And I went in. And I got into the Ford Escape, and I put the key in the ignition, and it wouldn't turn. Right? And then I start, oh, no. And I'm like, I'm in the wrong car. And, and, and I get, jump out. I think my wife was like, get, get out, get out. And then you're looking around. Somebody thinks I'm stealing their car, you know. And then I click, click. And it, there was a car in between, and then there was our black Ford Escape. They were just two apart, and they looked just alike, mostly, except ours had a couple of scratches and my Ohio State license plate cover. And what had happened? Well, there was a lack of discernment that took place at that time. I was just going through the motions and went with the first thing. Ah, this, this looks about right. And so I just went with it. 
And so many times I think that's the way it is in life where, I don't know, it looks, eh, that looks about right. And we lack discernment of really, but what does God's word say? How does it match up with what God says in his word and what God says about how I should be responded? And that's what Paul's talking about here, to worship God by discerning his word. Honoring those in leadership, right? Building up, worship God by building up others, by shaping our attitude, and by discerning his word. Living in a growing family as we continue to change and grow into what God wants us to be. These are some really good lessons to be applying here this week. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we praise you for, Lord, who you are and, and how you're uh, working, Lord. We just thank you for this body of believers and just what you've been doing uh, so far. It's exciting to see. It's, uh, uh, Lord, just so much to be thankful for as we see the growth and development of this church. And Lord, even now as we continue um, in this next big step in the life of this church, Lord, uh, I pray just for, for your blessing on this church, for your, for your guidance and blessing on uh, these elders. And Lord, may they just please you as they lift high the name of Jesus Christ in this church and in this community and in their lives and in their families. Lord, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Well, let me just transition here for a moment. I'm going to get maybe just a little more formal here. But we're here this morning to install elders. The installation of elders is the last step in the church plant process. Since this church launched in 2017, so up to this point from launch to now, Pastor Micah, Pastor Tim Harkness, and myself have served and functioned as the interim elder board until permanent elders were installed. From a church planting church perspective, which, which we are in, in, in that, this is the final step of, of really just of, of letting go and, and, and turning things over to you. This installation process will make Harvest Bible Chapel, St. Louis South, an independent church able to govern itself locally for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. I want to ask uh, one of our elders, Steve Hutton, to come up and join us. Pastor Mike, if you would come up and introduce the elder candidates and maybe explain the process that's taken place to get to this point as you've uh, been putting these, this group together. Love to. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, you know, we uh, started back in 2015 building core and moving towards things. As Steve just mentioned, we actually launched here at Green Park in January of 2017, so about a year and a half ago. But even before we launched, we were already praying and looking and believing that God was going to raise up men in our church, in our local body, who um, were not only, uh, not only met the minimum qualifications that Scripture lays out for elders, it would be men who were really uh, men of godly character, uh, men who had hearts for God's word and hearts to see disciples made and, and really believed in the vision of the church that we're trying to foster here at Harvest. And um, so as we were praying through that and just looking and, and looking for opportunities last fall, actually, um, I invited uh, a handful of guys from our church, I think 10 or so guys, to come and be a part of a, um, a leadership group. A leadership study that we did last fall. I took, I think it was, ended up being eight guys in that group, and we walked through 20 weeks of what does it mean to be a godly man? 
What's it mean to be a godly leader? What characteristics does Scripture say are necessary to lead God's people and lead God's church? And, um, and it was just a great time to go through. We went through all the doctrinal statements with all of them, made sure that all of that was clear and that they understood it and that they were on board with it and believed it. Um, and so we did that for 20 weeks last fall. And through that process, um, felt like through that and through prayer, God revealed two men out of that eight that he was really calling at this point in time to go ahead and step into this elder role for our church. And um, so then I um, invited those two men into the elder interview process. We started that in January of this past year, sat down with them and their wives, had extensive interviews with them, checking qualifications, checking alignment on doctrine, checking uh, just that our hearts were in the same place in terms of what God was calling our church to. And um, all of that went really, really well. And then, so we then invited them to the next step, which was to actually start serving as kind of um, interim, not even really interim, just kind of trial elders for a few months to kind of see how it worked. And we started having meetings together and started discussing issues and started seeing how would you handle this and how would you handle that and just make sure that the three of us would be able to work together well as a team as God was leading in our church. And so we've been doing that for the last three or four months, four, five months now leading up to today. And again, everything has went splendid. Um, just really, really excited and blessed for the men that God has brought to this church for this time uh, to be leading us forward and to be taking us into the next season of ministry here at Harvest. So I introduced these guys to you last week, but we'll do that again. Uh, Phil McCullough, if you'll go ahead and come on up, and Chris Hurst. And Steve is going to lead us through an installation process. We see in uh, 1 Peter uh, 5, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed. And to the elders, he says this, and to uh, these two gentlemen here, um, the charge to the elders is this, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Shepherd the flock of God. Uh, the role of the elder is to provide care and nurture for others so that they can grow in Christ. To shepherd the flock of God to exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So uh, exercising oversight, providing guidance and leadership for this body, not under compulsion, but willingly, not with regret, but to do it with joy and desire. Uh, in First uh, Timothy, it says, those who desire the office of bishop, elder, overseer, pastor, all of those we see in Scripture are used interchangeably. It says, if you desire that, you desire a good thing. Eagerly to, eager to do this. Um, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Uh, not, to, not out here to just make a name for yourself, but, but to, or to get respect for yourself. Um, he goes on and says, uh, not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Not, uh, not, not uh, looking to, to, to push down and to, and to, to puff yourself up uh, in there, but on the contrary, to, to lead by example. It's, it's, the, it's the adage we see of, come follow me as I follow Christ. It says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. And, and so we see that, that, that this job brings reward, uh, 
but it just may not be a whole lot of reward right now. But in eternity, it's worth it. And, and the promise to come is ultimately in eternity. And so may you as elders follow your God to partner together to serve while, uh, with all that you have and watch God work to grow this church. And to the body here, he, he continues and he gives this charge. He says, verse 5, Likewise, to you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Be subject to the elders. Close yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so to the body here, to humbly submit to their leadership as unto the Lord. This is a call to, to submission to, to, for, the, for the body of Christ. Your job is to make their jobs as, as, as easy as possible and, and, and make their jobs as hard to be harsh, for them to be harsh as, as possible. And how do we do that? By clothing yourself with humility. By not thinking more of yourself, but to listen, love, and follow the leadership that God has placed in this church. And all God's people said, amen. amen. We'll go ahead and have you guys step right here. We're going to surround you here, lay hands on you, and just pray for you. Steve, if you'll start. And... I just want to say I remember the day we became an independent church and also uh, the day that we realized that uh, this is uh, the Harvest way of having a, a New Testament model governance. I, I don't know about you, but I'm thrilled, and I hope... Uh, you guys can understand the uh, milestone in God leading you to this point. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we want to make much of you. We are awestruck, Lord, by all that you do, all that you are. We want to make much of your name, Lord, not only in uh, our, our, our sermons each week and not only in our worship, Lord, but in our lives and the way we live out Christ in front of others. And so, Lord, we pray this morning for these guys. And you're not surprised today, Lord, by this. So you're not taken aback. Uh, you initiated it all. You moved in the hearts and the minds and the lives of Pastor Micah and of these men, Chris and Phil. And Lord, we just are, are grateful that uh, we can be part of this. We pray and ask those in the body this morning to pray for wisdom for these men, the wisdom to have spiritual discernment, to make uh, uh, spiritual decisions, Lord, based on your word, based on that biblical worldview that Pastor Steve talked about. Lord, we pray for uh, uh, the spiritual discernment in the decisions that are made. Uh, we pray, Lord, for holiness of these men, that these men would live out Christ in front of the body. And God has told us that he wants us to be holy so that we can come and live with a holy God. And so, Lord, we look for these shepherds, these elders and overseers, whatever the name we choose to call them, all meaning the same, that they would uh, lead in a holy manner. Uh, and as they uh, give us uh, a good role model of living out Christ in front of others, Lord, we pray for stamina for the job that they have to do. Uh, it's, it's a long haul. Lord, we pray for knowledge, knowledge of the Bible, so that they can defend the, the doctrine and the, and the Bible if necessary. Lord, we pray for uh, humility. As uh, Steve has already preached and has already informed us, this is an important part of being a shepherd of the flock. And the humility means, Lord, that we think of others before ourselves. And so, Lord, as these guys are about to undertake uh, oversight of the, uh, the doctrine, the direction, and the discipline of the church, uh, Lord, we just uh, pray that you would just uh, protect them and protect their families 
And Lord, there would be a sense of unity that would rally around these gentlemen as they do the work of the church. Lord Jesus, we, we pray for both of these men. Lord, we pray for, uh, Lord, we just praise you for how you've worked in their lives and, and, and Lord, all that you've done uh, leading up to this point. And, uh, we, but yet we know that you're not finished with them yet and that you continue to lead and direct in their lives. And Lord, just continue to grow them so that they can in turn then shepherd this flock that you've made them under shepherds in. And, and so Lord, we pray for that. We pray for their families. We pray that you would just uh, bless them, that you would protect their families. Lord, as the attacks of, of, of uh, the, the forces of evil, demonic activity, and Lord, so, so often wanting to thwart what you are doing. And so Lord, to, to be uh, just so protective of these men and their families and and the discouragement that can come at times. Lord, may they just be able to keep their eyes focused on you. And Lord, may they lead by example in all that they do. And Lord, just bless them in that, we ask in your name. Heavenly Father, we just um, thank you so much, Lord, for all that you have done and are continuing to do in this church. Father, um, your word is true in every aspect, Lord, and we are thankful and believing and, and just standing firm on the, on the truth of your word that you will build your church. And Lord, we've seen it, we've experienced it, and we're um, excited to see it even more in the season to come. Lord, I, I praise you and thank you for bringing these men to this church for this time. Father, we, um, I personally am just so, so grateful for their friendship. I'm grateful, Lord, for their, their hearts, for you, and for your word, and for this church. Father, I'm thankful that you've brought men alongside, Lord, who can help lift and carry the weight, who can help lead and can do so in a way that's going to be honoring and glorifying to you. Father, I pray for our church, Lord, that as we move into this new season of ministry and installing local elders, Lord, that we would be a church that, um, that, that brings you joy in the way that we relate to one another, the way that we relate to our leadership. Lord, that we would um, be constantly looking, Lord, to make your name great. Um, by the way that we interact and love one another and the way that we follow and lead in, in the relationships that you're establishing here today. Father, I, I pray for these men and myself, Lord, as we start to step into this role, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, Lord, that you would give us um, grace, Lord, that you would give us just a, a burden and a heart, not only for the people in this room now, but for all those that you're going to bring. Lord, for this community, for the lost around here, Lord, that need to hear the gospel, Lord, that that would all be something that you are pressing us towards, Lord, that you are leading us in, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is filling each of us day in and day out as we seek to follow you and lead under your uh, ultimate leadership of this church, Lord. Father, you are king, and we submit to you today in every way, in our lives and as a church, and we are excited and, and, and waiting, Lord, to see what you're going to lead us to next. We pray all this in Christ's precious name. Amen.